All right, well, man, how are you guys doing? Happy early Thanksgiving. Was the, uh, was the food good tonight? Good, good. Well, uh, welcome to Genesis. My name is Mike, and uh, at Genesis, we... Thank you. At Genesis, we believe in having open doors and open hearts, and so I hope that when you walked in tonight that you felt comfortable and invited, and uh, and also hope that you came with an open heart because we have prayed and prepared for you, and so we're glad that you're here. Uh, So before we get going with the message tonight, I I know that you're sleepy from all the food that you just ate, so we need to bring the energy back, okay? So I have an important question for you, all right? This is a very serious question. You guys ready? It's a very serious question. All right. When I say go... I want you to find someone in a different row than you, okay, and answer this question. If you took your five fingers and you could dispense a liquid from each one of them for all of time, what would the five liquids be? All right? You ready? All right. Are you good? Take your five fingers. If you could dispense a liquid from these five fingers, what five would they be? Unlimited supply. All right? Ready? Glacier, are we good? Are we tracking? All right, find somebody that understands. All right, go. Okay. All right. All right, let's bring it back for a second. Let's bring it back. Great job, everyone. <laughs> uh, all right. So um, thank, you for, thank you for playing along with that one. Uh, is anybody, did anybody have any, like, crazy ones, like, really good ones? Liquid gold? That's, that's pretty good. Soy sauce. Okay. All right. All right. So I'll tell you I'll tell you my five. They're still having a debate back there. All right. They're getting serious about this. All right. Here are my five. Uh, gasoline for your car. That would be a great one. Um, chocolate milk. Sweet tea. <laughs> I forgot it existed. Um, four... Water, and which ones have I said already? Car gas, car gas, water, sweet tea, chocolate milk, and Dr. Pepper, probably, were my five. I heard of Dr. Pepper. Oh, coffee, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, coffee was my, my fifth one. Yeah, that's good. I, uh, I, played that with one of, I played that with another group of people before, and somebody said crude oil. I don't really understand that one, but teach their own, right? Um, 
So, uh, all right, so uh, tonight we are concluding our series, Dead Man Walking, where we are working through the story of John 11, or the story of Lazarus and John 11, and in this story, how we're able to see God's plan for our pain, uh, and in the moments where things didn't go as expected for us, or, or things didn't go like we thought that they should, how we can see a good God in the midst of the bad. And so tonight, we have finally reached the spot where Lazarus is going to be raised from the dead, and uh, we're going to see the end result of what Jesus had in mind throughout the duration of these events, and so we're going to see the power that he has in our pain. And I want to mention again, I know that it's a holiday week, we just ate a lot of really good food, and so I'm going to keep this short and sweet, okay? So just hang with me, all right? Sound good? All right, cool. Well, if you would, uh, pray with me, and then uh, we'll, we'll jump in. God, I thank you so much for tonight. God, I thank you for uh, this this great night that we've had so far. God, going to eat a lot of good food. And uh, God, I pray that uh, you would speak to us through the end of the story of Lazarus. And uh, God, this would not fall on deaf ears, but God would speak to each and every every one of us. And it would be closer to you on the way out than we were coming in. We love you. In Jesus' name, we all said together, amen. Awesome. If you would, go ahead and turn to John 11, if you have your Bible, John 11. And uh, while you're doing that, I will get you up to speed. Um, In week one of this series, we saw... Mary and Martha uh, send word to Jesus asking him to come heal their brother Lazarus who was dying. And Jesus waited to do so until Lazarus had passed away. And we saw that the purpose, and he actually said, like the purpose of him doing that was so that his name would be glorified. And so we saw that his purpose in our pain is ultimately for his power to to be perfect in our weakness. And then in week two, we saw Martha have an interaction with Jesus that showed us that his promise in our pain uh, is that, that, that our greatest need isn't for our situation to be fixed. Our greatest need is for Jesus. And then last week, we saw Mary have an interaction with Jesus and saw that uh, Jesus is present in our pain, not distant or emotionless. And so tonight, we're going to pick up right where we left off, and we're going to see how this story comes to an end. And it's the moment that we've been working towards all month. And so this is John eleven thirty-eight to 39 first two verses of, the, of uh, uh, for tonight. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. And so we see Jesus, like it says, uh, deeply moved, moved with compassion. Um, he, he comes to the tomb of Lazarus, and this stone is rolled against it. And so Jesus sees the stone, and he says with what I would imagine to be uh, great confidence, great clarity, he says, take away the stone. Uh, and Martha, who if you've been hanging out for this series, you've seen this, but she's been basically Captain Obvious so far, okay? So she says, Jesus, you know, he's been dead for four days. There, there's going to be a smell. You know, he's been in there for a while now, all right? Um, like Jesus didn't know that, right? Um, now, there, there's a lot in these, these two verses, and so I want to I paint the picture for you tonight. When, uh, when I started writing this message, uh, obviously, you know, verse 38 is what we just read, uh, the first verse we were talking about tonight. And so that was the, the first verse that, you know, I started thinking through. And all it says is that Jesus was deeply moved. Uh, he came to the tomb, and the tomb was a cave, and a stone was against it. But for some reason, that verse really made me pause. And and the reason was because it seemed so paradoxical. It seemed so backwards. Like, it seemed, I mean, it was, it's true, obviously, but it just seems so contradicting because Jesus, and you may see him this way too, like, the way I look at Jesus, it's like, okay, he's the ultimate source of life. He, he's a source of joy. He, he's the source of new beginnings, right? And here he is walking to a tomb, a symbol of the opposite 
of all of those things, right? He, he, a tomb is a symbol of death. It's a symbol of, of grief, a symbol of an ending. And yet here he is at the tomb. And I, th- I thought, man, you know, what a, what a small taste of exactly what Jesus came to do. Right, where it says that Jesus deeply moved came to the tomb. Yes, he, he was deeply moved by the death of Lazarus. And so he came to the tomb with the plan of raising him from the dead. But in the same way, Jesus moved by compassion and mercy and grace and love. He came to this tomb called earth, right, that is filled with dead sinners. And he came with the intention of restoring life. Right? And thank God that, that Jesus, the source of life, lowered himself to walk among death. Because that means he could walk among you and I and bring us back to life. Right? Thank God that Jesus came to this tomb looking for me, looking for us. Jesus, Jesus came to our tomb. We have life because of that. And as we move into the next verse, verse 39, we, we see Jesus tell them to take away the stone. And in that time, stones were, were rolled over the tomb as a way to communicate that the funeral was over. And so basically they, they, they would you know, put the person into the tomb but the stone wouldn't immediately be rolled over it. But when it was finally rolled over, this was like, a, you know, it communicated this is over. The, the funeral's over, the story's over, the person's gone, it's done, and it's time to start the process of moving on. You know, it served as this separation from the living and the dead. And so for Jesus to walk up and say, okay, take away the stone, I'm sure that got the attention of everybody, right? Like, oh, snap, like what is about to happen? And then Martha speaks up. And tells Jesus uh, that there was going to be a smell because Lazarus has been dead for four days inside the tomb. And like I said, that's a bit of a Captain Obvious statement, uh, which she is really good at. Um, and, uh, and we don't know, like, if this was her saying, like, whoa, 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 you know, don't do that. Uh, you know, he's been decomposing. He, it's going to smell. Or if she didn't want Jesus, who, you know, she highly respected, highly honored to be exposed to that. Maybe she thought it would be dishonoring or disrespectful. Um, I actually read one commentary that pointed out that the smell of Lazarus decaying was like another layer that Jesus wanted to throw in the mix to to prove that he was really dead. Uh, But we don't know exactly why she said that. But regardless of what Martha's reasoning was, what she said communicated one thing clearly. Martha was convinced that it was too late for Jesus to do anything. She was convinced that it was too late to do anything. Martha was so down to earth that she couldn't see that Jesus was up to something. But really, I mean, even in the earlier in the life of Jesus, we see him at Mary and Martha's house. And, and, and Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet in worship. And Martha's in the kitchen running around trying to get everything in order and get everything ready. Um, you're going to see that on Thursday, right? You're going to have family running around trying to get things ready for their guests. And that's what Martha was doing. And she actually told Jesus, hey, Tell Mary to get in here and help me. And Jesus is like, Martha, you need to be more like your sister. Right? She's, she's not missing the moment. You are. And so we see that even here. right? Martha is so weighed down by the practicalities that she dismisses the thought of Jesus performing a miracle. She was convinced that it was too late. You know, so how often do we find ourselves there? You know, the, the thought of, man, it's too late for things to be different for me. Or, or, you know, it's too late for me to turn my life around. It's, it's too late to put myself in God's will. Or it's too late for him to answer this prayer request. It's true that we can be so down to earth that we miss when God is up to something. You know, we can get so caught up in what our limited ability can imagine and fathom and we lose faith in what God can do with his unlimited ability. And that's what we're seeing here. So let's keep reading. This is verse 40 to 42. 
Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And so they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. And so Jesus responds to Martha and he says, did I not tell you that if you believed, you'd see the glory of God? Uh, if you remember from earlier in these uh, verses, uh, a few weeks ago, he had asked, you know, do you believe this? And, and, and she had said yes. And so they, they rolled back the stone, and I'm sure it did smell like a decomposing body. You know, everybody was probably taken back by it. I mean, could you imagine that moment, right? How insanely bold and how insanely radical is it for Jesus to just tell them to take away the stone? All right, like that would be like us going to a, a cemetery and you walking up to a gravesite and being like, okay, dig him up. Right, it's almost like inconceivable. Like you, it's, it's baffling, it's unimaginable, right? Like that's what we see happening. And so Jesus, when, when he, he then prays after that and he says uh, to his father, he's like, thank you for listening, you, even though I know you always do. And I want these people to believe that you sent me. And so let's see what happens next as the story ends. These are the last two verses. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. So Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Okay, so put yourself in that moment, right? Like I said, that's almost an inconceivable situation to picture. A man shouting at a grave, wanting the person inside to come out, right? The, the expectancy that I'm sure hung in the air at that moment was probably like tangible, right? And then somehow, some way, Lazarus comes walking out of the tomb, wrapped in the clothes he was buried in, all right? The, the voice of the creator had spoken and the creation obeyed just as it always does. And so my question to you tonight is this, what power do you believe that Jesus has in your pain? What power do you believe that he has in your season of the unknown? What power do you believe that he has in your circumstances? The power to heal? The power to restore? The power to bring new life? You know, you may think the stone has rolled over your life, that the story's over, that it's time to start moving on. I wanna tell you tonight that Jesus has power in your pain. And his goal, you know, like we've said, it's not always to rescue you from it, but it's to put his power on display in the midst of it. That just when you think it's over, Jesus still gets the last word. And when that happened, and you can't help but wonder, you know, were people terrified? Were they amazed, right? You know, how long did it take Lazarus to, to get up and walk out? I actually saw something online this week that, uh, there's a, if you go to the, the Holy Land, there's a tomb that they believe to be the tomb of Lazarus. And there's actually stairs. Like, so, I mean, Jesus might have said, Lazarus, come out. And it's kind of like, you're sitting there waiting for him to come up the stairs. You know what I mean? So, like, what, was it, what would that have been like? Did the smell go away? Right? We have no idea. Well, how long did Lazarus live after that? You know, did, how did he, he react? You know, did he live his life differently the second time? We have no idea. What was Mary and Martha's reaction? Right? The, the, the ones who had walked through the pain and then saw the miracle. Were they joyful? Were they thankful? We would imagine so. But we have no idea. And the reason we have no idea about those things is because immediately after John, who wrote his gospel and this story, right after he tells, it, tells us that it happened in Scripture, the focus shifts right off of Lazarus and right back onto Jesus. The focus shifted because this miracle that Jesus performed 
was to serve as a foreshadowing of what was to come not long after. And so as the, the story continues, we won't read the verses tonight, but this would be the catalyst that set off a chain of events that led Jesus to the cross. This miracle that Jesus performed, this raising of Lazarus, it was the last straw for the Pharisees. And so they began this plan on, you know, they began planning how to kill Jesus. And they eventually would. And then a few days later, Jesus would roll back another stone, right? This time he would be the one walking out. And also the, the, the miracles that Jesus performed, you know, sure they served the purpose of convincing people of who he was, but miracles were not why Jesus came to earth. You know, he came to die for us. And so this was an arrow pointing us in the direction of that truth. And the focus also shifted back to him because in a moment where Jesus is the one calling out, the one where Jesus is the one raising the dead, he is the hero of the story, right? The story is not the dead man being, you know, coming out of the tomb. It's about the one bringing the dead man back to life. And so in our, in our own lives, you know, in our salvation story or in our testimony, which, you know, we, we've talked all month about the pain that you're walking through or the season of the unknown that you're walking through. Right now, if you're in one of those seasons, your testimony is being strengthened and being empowered and gaining momentum, right? And so in these moments, in these stories, we're not the hero. Jesus is the hero. And so in this situation, man, we're the ones in the tomb, right? We're, we're, we're the ones dead in our sin, unable to do anything about where we are spiritually. And Jesus is the one calling out to us. And so just as Lazarus said, come out, he's saying, hey, Matthias, come out. Cody, come out. Harrison, come out. We've been living in the tomb. We've been called to be spiritually alive, to come out of the tomb. And the only reason we have access to eternal life is, is through the blood of Jesus. Right? That he, that he took our spot. He, he died a death we deserved and resurrected again. And now he calls out to us to receive that resurrection life that we so desperately need. So tonight, as we always do, we're going to conclude the series with communion. Uh, communion is something that Jesus commanded us to do before he went to the cross. He said, do this in remembrance of me. And the bread represents his body broken. The blood represents his blood shed for us. And, and I love that word communion because a lot of, you won't find that in a lot of translations of the Bible. You know, it would be called like the Lord's Supper. But I love that it's called communion. Because what we're celebrating and remembering is what gave us communion with God. It gave us a relationship with God. So Jesus is calling you out of the tomb tonight. And you may think the stone's already rolled over. You may think that it's over and it's time to start moving on. But Jesus always gets the last word. And so let's take a moment tonight. Let's respond through prayer. Let's thank, thank God for what he's done for us. But also how his power will continue to be displayed in our lives. Um, and so when you're ready, um, you can come up, take a piece of bread Different than the juice. Um, let me pray, uh, and um, the band's going to come up and play underneath. So let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this story. God, I thank you that, um, that you sent your son to come to this earth, yes, to uh, do amazing things and perform miracles and uh, raise people from the dead and heal people, God. But the ultimate reason was to come die for us. And this tomb that you called Lazarus out of was a symbol of the tomb that you would call us out of. And so, God, we thank you that you are willing to walk among the dead, to walk among people like us, God, and bring us back to life. And, God, so when we look at our lives, we look at our story, look at what we've uh, walked through, what we're currently walking through, God, we pray that we would see you as the hero of the story. And, God, we would see that your power in our pain, God, that you would put it on display in the middle of our circumstances. So, God, we trust you with that. And, God, wherever we find ourselves tonight, I pray that you would meet us there. We thank you for what you've done for us before. 
And God, we thank you for what you're going to continue to do. In Jesus' name, amen.